Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So day four of the ATP finals is well underway. We've had the day session. It has featured singles between Alexander Zverev and Novak Djokovic. It has finished with a 6-4, 6-1 victory for Djokovic over Zverev. That doesn't really tell the whole story because it was a, a good bit closer. I'll just tell you briefly what happened. It was four games all. Zverev was serving incredibly well. I think he got 80-odd percent of first serves in. He had himself a break point. He arced a backhand lob over the head of Djokovic, and it missed by how much, Charlie Ecclesher? A hair's breadth. A hair's breadth, a whisker. It was about an inch out, and uh, that was when it all turn, turned around, wasn't it? I mean, it was it, it, nothing was the same ever again. No, it, and it felt like it at the time, didn't it? It felt like a real opportunity missed. And then as soon as the, the set went, you were like, oh, God, this could get ugly. Yeah, and, and, and then it... After that, he, he got broken, lost the set, and Djokovic just ran away with it. We've also got Grad Matt here. Hello, Matt. Hello, hello. Hello. Uh, and we have a very, very special guest with us here on the Tennis Podcast. For the very first time, I'm delighted to say Mr. Andre Antic is here. That's hello, correct. Andre. Hi. And <laughs> you are from tennis magazine in germany yes which is which is a great thrill for me because you and i have known each other for for a long time yes and uh you've been at tennis magazine for how long now yeah 20 years more than 20 years 20 years crikey i I imagine the game has changed a bit in that time a bit yeah at this time or that was earlier with boris becker michael stich pete sampras all these guys so uh, now we have a different story. Yeah, you do. But you do have a player there. We've just talked about Zverev. He's still alive here in the ATP finals. We, we don't know yet at this stage whether he's going to be able to, to get through his group. We'll find that out in the, the final group match, which he plays against John Isner. I've wanted you on the tennis podcast for a long time, Andre, mm. because we've known each other for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've just been telling us the story of how you, you started at Tennis Magazine. I want to get into to, to your job a little bit a little later. Okay. But first of all, I want to talk to you about Alexander Zverev, who is a player, I think, that we are just sort of starting to get to know, mm-hmm. certainly here in the UK. He's obviously had great results. He's won Masters 1000 titles. He's, he's a top eight player in the world, two years running. What do you make of him? What do you 
think of him as a person from your dealings with him so far? Okay, first of all, uh, we didn't have the situation with the top German player for a long, long time. I mean, uh, Rainer Schüttler, Nikola Kiefer, Tommy Haas, they were all top 10 players, but uh, they, he, and I think uh, Zverev is the first one to be twice at the um, season-ending tournament. So uh, he was good last year, and now he he's like... He, um, he's still, I mean, still good. He, he didn't drop in the ranking. So that, uh, that is a special thing ab about uh, him in Germany, of course. Germany needs a, a good tennis player. And, uh, of course, we met many, many times. And uh, I think um, um, he could be number one, maybe. And uh, he's, he's, he's actually a nice guy. Uh, sometimes it's a bit uh, difficult with the team because uh, he's like, he, he, he moved so quick in the rankings. So there's a lot of stuff people want from him. And even for people who are like clo closer to him, it's sometimes tough to get, a, get, a, get an interview. Yeah. I, I imagine that when they get a little older and they're no longer juniors and they come through the ranks, it gets harder, doesn't it, I imagine? Yeah. We know that story. Um, what, does, what does Germany think of Alexander Zverev? How, how much is he embraced? How much is he supported at the moment, do you feel? I think there is support, but you cannot compare to Boris Becker or Michael Stich. Uh, he's a bit uh, further away, or seems to be, because he trained in um, in Tampa, Florida. He lives in Monte Carlo. He has, you know, the the, the Russian origins. Uh, so um, I think people still have to to learn to uh, to to get to know him a bit better. I think that is uh, he's in the process to become to become more. Uh, well known in Germany but now it's uh, he's not there where he could be with number five ranking or number four or three in the world he could be uh, let's say more accepted mm, yeah and uh, we, we've we've been talking about him throughout the week haven't we Charlie mm. we've 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 gone to his press conference today he he's an interesting character isn't he he's not quite like a lot of the other young players because he doesn't feel like a, a young player he feels like somebody who's arrived and I mean obviously he has he's already in this company he's in this tournament he carries himself as if he's won slams really doesn't he Thank yeah you. oh absolutely he feels like um, yeah a very established player I think it's easy to forget how young he is I think because you know he eschewed the next gen finals two years running and he came here and it feels like he wants to be seen as one of the big boys you know in the way he talks he he can be quite dismissive i think um you know and he spoke today very interestingly how you know he was asked about ivan lendl and whether he's strict with him and zverev said no he's not that wouldn't work with me so he has he, he gives off the impression of being very headstrong knowing where he wants to go and uh, yeah and as if he's been on the tour for a while not just a few years how do you feel that the the relationship with Lendl will work because as Charlie was saying I, I was quite taken aback at the end of the press conference the way he sort of said you know Lendl had to learn pretty quick what I'm like otherwise it wouldn't work Okay. You know, and I, I was quite surprised by this because I'm, you know, our experience of, of Ivan Lendl is both as a player and as dealing with Andy Murray, 
as somebody who, well, he's the boss, you do what he says. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to me as though Zverev was suggesting that that, that isn't necessarily the case. And yeah. he's, he's got to work around yeah. Zverev. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It sounds kind of weird a bit. I think Lendl and Zverev, it's uh, an ideal combination. Mm. Because Lendl, I think everybody would agree, is one of the best, if not the best coach out there. Um, and uh, so I think it's it's very good that they are together. And uh, I think they are. I, I don't think Zverev says everything he sa- he thinks about the the uh, you know uh, the relationship. Uh, I I wouldn't say Lendl is the boss. I don't know. Uh, I mean, the boss is probably uh, the person who is who is paying. Yeah. But Lendl is obviously. Uh, he doesn't need it. So um, if there will be something that they don't get along each other, um, Lendl would probably quit. But uh, I, I don't see that. I think they, um, they can uh, reach a lot. Yeah. How, how long do you think it will take for Zverev to, to reach his peak from where he is right now? Do you, I mean, he was beaten pretty straightforwardly by Djokovic today. Yeah. It's, he's still quite a way away from from that level, isn't it? Yeah, but Djokovic now is uh, by far the best, and Zverev is 21 years old. Um, he he won a or he, he reached the quarterfinals of a Grand Slam this year in Paris. I think in the next season, at least semi-final, if not final, or or even more. Uh, so um, I mean, Djokovic is so strong. I, I think it's a bit unfair to uh, to compare now. Uh, the first set, as you have mentioned, was, I mean, it could have been the other way. So, um, yeah. It's amazing to think, when you describe the sort of Boris Becker years, that we might still be almost suffering a kind of hangover from that 20-odd years on. Because Michael Stick always had that, didn't he? He, mm. he came along, he won Wimbledon, mm. but he's not Boris. Yeah. You know, that was, that yeah. was the, the, the thing, I suppose, in the public eye. Give us an idea of what it was like to be working in in German tennis and in German tennis media when Boris Becker and Steffi Graf were doing what, what they were doing. I mean, when I came into my job, they were almost like, um, like it was almost the end of their careers, you know. So, uh, but my colleagues, my older colleagues, um, it was like a crazy, a crazy time. I mean, and... This will not happen again, never. Even if Zverev uh, will win like 10 Grand Slams, it will not happen. The, the um, society is totally different. I mean, there are so many un- other interests. We had, when Boris started, there were three um, TV channels. And now you know about the, the situation. So um, it, it won't be like this again. Mm. But still, uh, there could be like a, a mini tennis boom I think there is a mini boom already because you have Angelique Kerber winning Wimbledon, and if Zverev wins a Grand Slam, it's again another story because men's tennis is more important. I hope I can say that. Yeah. Well. Uh, yes, you, you can say it. Uh, I, I know. I know the point you're trying to make. Yeah. Uh, Angelique Kerber, incidentally, uh, has a new coach. I yes. Who, who's that? Rainer Schüttler. Rainer Schüttler. Yeah. Former, you know him. Yeah, former <laughs> Australian Open runner-up. Right. Himself. So yeah. 
Why did she separate from Wim Fassett, given that they had such a good year together? Oh, uh, how long is the the interview? <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, tough to explain, maybe a bit in in short. Yeah. But I mean, the short version is. I mean, the official version is they didn't get along with, with some issue, some topic, right. and so they, they quit. In my opinion, Fissette was the ideal coach for Kerber. I mean, if you make a, a player to, to, uh, to a Wim- uh, if you make a Wimbledon champ mm. and then you quit, you, you don't understand. We don't understand. But uh, it was about money, it was about different opinions, maybe how to plan the next season and stuff like that. So I don't want to get into that, but um, I think it's a bit sad. On the other hand, it will be uh, very, very interesting to see Rainer Schüttler mm. doing the job. You mentioned earlier, Andre, that uh, we will never see a sort of boom in tennis in Germany like we had with Boris. And no, Steffi. that was unique. Yeah, and and you mentioned the three television channels as, as as part of that. The way the media has changed. You run a tennis magazine. How has your magazine? How do you keep your magazine going and relevant and successful? When here we are talking on a tennis podcast, when yeah. when everybody's tweeting information right, within right, seconds right. And, and, and writing on other social media outlets, how do you, how have you have you had to change much? Okay, first I believe in paper. I think it's nice to have something in your hand still. And second, of course, I have to go different ways. I mean, if you if you if I just bring my magazine to a shop, that is not the the, the solution. Um, obviously, uh, we don't sell at a shop. Uh, we don't sell so many copies anymore. So I have to go to like, um, like the different um, how you put that, like to Bavaria or to Westfalen or to other organizations, and to t- tell them or to make a deal with them. Okay, we have your regional tennis inside, but you also get the the cover, the big tennis. Because we don't just cover German tennis, we do, as you know, global tennis. So you get a package if you, like say in Bavaria, you get the Bavarian tennis and you get the big tennis with our magazine. And we try to, to, to make, make it um, nice for everybody. So that is, I'm more, more maybe like a manager today than a chief editor. <laughs> you've been there a long time and you, you, you've worked through all the different roles. What, what is, do you have a sort of, a favorite interview that you've been able to do over the 20 years that you've been doing it have you, have you been able to speak to a player that you've really been proud of an interview um uh, well actually a lot of interviews um so i actually what was very nice like a small story little story i talked to uh, petro grafter in halle westfalen mm. and it was very nice it was like 15 minutes, maybe very nice. And then, like almost half a year later, he played in Melbourne semi-final against Agassi. Was it 2001? Yeah, I think, I think that's so. Right. And yeah. and there was so much pressure because they they didn't have a chance for ages. And uh, Patrick saw me. I, I I didn't. I mean, advance to him, but he saw me and said, "Hi, how are you doing?" Just before the. Uh, uh, the semi-final against Agassi I thought such a nice guy so down at earth and I liked that situation yeah no he is he was my favourite player growing up was he yeah I loved loved the way he played and 
yeah, his whole energy and the way he volleyed and all of that, it was, yeah, he was so entertaining as a player and seemed like such a lovely guy. Yeah, he was. He, he still is. Yeah. He still is. Yeah. He still <laughs> plays pretty good tennis. Um, who do you like watching these days, Andre? Um, yeah, obviously Federer. Uh, last night, he, he, I mean, team was not so playing so well, but I liked the touch last night. And I hope that we will see Federer next year, maybe not so often in a, in a final, because at one time it has to go down. I mean, that is biology, but I, I really like to watch him. Well, what do you think of the, the various political changes in the sport at the moment and, and particularly team tennis because there's been so much going on hasn't yeah. there we're, we're, tomorrow we've had a, an announcement that the ATP team world team yeah. tennis cup is going to be announced and, yeah. and we still don't exactly know what the Davis cup is going to look like how does how does German tennis view things um, I think I mean you, you probably know that Germany was against the, the I, I call it revolution or whatever yeah and uh, me personally, um, I think the, 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 the people who, who are uh, who, who like uh, uh, who did the new format, uh, they they didn't think it to an end the whole story. So we have the Davis Cup now final. Maybe it will be a fiasco. Nobody will be there because, as Alexander Zverev just uh, said in the in the. Um, German part of, of I think in the international as well I'm not mm. sure uh, the season is is too long yeah. for a lot of players and if you have a big tournament like the Davis Cup with 18 teams I don't think it, it will work out so they have to find another uh, another date for that yeah yeah, the, 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 he, he was quite strong on that, wasn't mm. he, Zverev, about the season length. And he's talked about the fact that he doesn't intend to play this thing next year. Um, I noticed uh, when I, I tweeted the, uh, the quotes from Zverev's press conference that, that uh, you know, I've been tired for a couple of months. The season's too long. I can't think of any other sport that is 11 months long uh, in a season. Yevgeny Kafelnikov immediately replied to that tweet and said, swore, well, he swore, he said, this is BS. Um, we were playing in December, um, and, and I'm fed up of hearing this stuff from the players. I looked up Yevgeny's results back in the day, and he used to play 100 matches a year um, and 50 doubles matches too. And often, and more five, best of five set matches as well yeah. they had back then. Though I would say they're not necessarily the best... The fact that a lot of those players had to retire quite young suggests that wasn't necessarily the uh, mm. the way forward. But yeah, I can see um, I can see the point he's making. But also, I think a lot of players would agree with Sasha what he's saying that you know the season is very long, and tennis is almost unique in that you are expected to be in peak condition all year round. I think mm. speaking to a lot of players, that's what they say is so challenging because you look at a lot of sports, you know, you have your big events throughout the year, but you can kind of pace yourself a bit. Tennis is almost unique that week on week you have to be in peak physical condition. Mm. And that is hugely demanding. Do you, do you think the season's too long, Andre? Me, personally? Um, I, don't, I, I don't know, actually. I mean, your, your point is... is, is uh, I, I can see the point. And I know Rainer Schüttler in 2003, he played, I think, 100, 103 matches. And uh, it's possible to play. I mean, they get paid well. On the other hand, they want to be prepared for the Australian Open. 
and uh, and they need some time. They need some rest. Maybe the times are different because there's so much with the social media and the attention is is, is different. So um, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can can understand what Zverev uh, is, is saying. Mm. There's a slight issue as well, isn't there, of the rich getting richer because. The more successful you are, the more money in the bank, the more you can afford to manage your schedule a little bit better. And that obviously is a big advantage to players, but you can't necessarily afford to do that if you're you know, desperately trying to get money and trying to get ranking points. And, we, and I think that's part of the reason why players are going on for longer. You look at Federer, Nadal, they, do, they cherry pick their events very cleverly. Yeah. And, I think, and, and that's the way they've been able to have that longevity, but not everyone can do that. Yeah, no, it's, it is true. It's, it's an interesting one. Um, the... Um, the other bit of news we've had today is that Agnieszka Radvanska has announced her retirement. That's a shame, isn't it? Yeah, still young. She was 29. Yeah. Well, she is still 29. <laughs> she hasn't um, but she has retired. Uh, I think injuries had just caught up with her. She'd had a number of, of injuries that had just been creaking away uh, over the years. Memories of Agnieszka Radvanska? Great touch. Nice to watch. Uh, she played a lot against Kerber and... and uh, Petkovic, I think, the German player, so yeah. good matches. Um, yeah, very good player. Not, yeah. Had to do things differently, didn't she? She always, for me, had a bit of the Martina Hingis about her, and I really warmed to both of those players because they they were never going to overpower their opponents, so they did have to rely on mm-hmm. court craft and mm-hmm. those sort of things, and I think that variety is really important in tennis, and that's why it, it always saddened me that Hingis was kind of a bit you know, overwhelmed by some of the players. And I think that's slightly happened to Radvanska. Um, and 29 is, you know, it's, it's so young when we're seeing players going on you know, through their mid-30s. But I think that trademark shot where she'd get really low and, you know, somehow retrieve the ball, that was always, you know, her signature move. I, I, she, she regularly won fan favourite player of the year in the, in the awards. And she would often come up with shots that would end up being the highlight reel, wouldn't mm. she? She was always getting shots of the month. What, what memories have you got of her, Matt? Yeah, she was an innovator, wasn't she? In, a, in, a, in an era where, as Charlie says, quite a lot of the players have quite sort of generic game styles. You kind of know what, what to expect from each player. Advanska was the standout player on the WTA Tour who would do things a little bit differently. Um, some nice words from Djokovic in press today, calling her a really smart player and one of the most entertaining to watch on the women's tour and in tennis in general, to be honest. Um, I know Andy Murray's always had mm. lots of good things to say about Radovanska. Um, and obviously she's, she's had some big results too. Wimbledon finalist and WTA finals. Win. Did she underachieve though? She didn't win a slam. Should she have won a slam? I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think, I think that, that game style she had took her a long way but maybe in those in those big moments if she came up against the Serena as she did in the Wimbledon final she found herself a little bit short of power perhaps in in this era of women's tennis where power is important um, and yeah as you said the six fan favorites um, in a row I think she won six in a row so she was very well liked um, and just the other thing I would say about Radvanska is um, I remember a match at Wimbledon against Sybil Kova in 2016 and I had, I had tickets for centre court that day and I think uh, Federer was on centre and I, I, I just chose to watch Radvanska against Sybil Kova on court three and it 
there were multiple match points saved and it was just fantastic and I put out on Twitter earlier about asking for some people's memories and that was a match that came up and yeah what a great player. I think with her, what was special, and, and I can see why Andy Murray liked her, is because all, all of the spectacular shots, it never felt like they were for show. You know, you see some of these players, maybe someone like Monfi, and, and you're like, you didn't really need to hit that. With Radvanska, it was always for a purpose. You know, she, she hit the shot that she needed to hit, yeah. but it was always it was very smart, very clever, and she'd be, you know, like a chess bear, thinking like six, seven moves ahead, um, and that always struck me. And I think on the underachievement point, I think it's, it's tough when you, you don't win cheap points in the same way that others do. Every match, you know, she'd have to re- she would have to really earn it, and that's a big ask, isn't it, over the course of a grand What slam. do you think, Andre? Did she underachieve, overachieve, or just about right in terms of what she what she got? She was number two. Yeah, two. Yeah, I mean that's a fantastic career. Yeah. The only thing uh, I I never understood when she worked together with Martina Navratilova, I thought mm. that would be like a, a, a maybe a, a boom like 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 she could win more, make all and, the difference. And, and it didn't work out. It, yeah. There was uh, actually it was a bad relationship somehow because there was not no success at all. No. And uh, that is something I remember. But um, I, other, I would have thought it that, would be like. We're talking about Zverev and Lendl. I would have thought it would have been the same thing, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly. What's so, that's what's so interesting. And, and um, Andre, when you were talking about uh, the Lendl-Zverev relationship, I, th- I was talking to David about this before. I think it will either be really good or it will be really terrible. Mm. But either way, it will be very entertaining to watch. But I can see them, either they click mm. and it works, it's what, it's what Sasha needs, or they really rub each other up the wrong way and we see them yeah. splitting in a few months. I hope not. Interesting, just on that, in his pre-tournament press, Zverev was asked when he expects to see results from Lendl, and he said he expects to see them next summer. So maybe, you know, obviously we want to see something instant. We want. You're saying I'm going to have to be patient? Well, maybe. But <laughs> um, well, we can't draw instant conclusions. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's never going to work on the tennis podcast. But it was interesting that he did have quite an instant impact with Andy Murray. Um, I remember there because I think Murray, what did he win Brisbane straight away with? And he reached that semi-final of the Australian Open, didn't he? Had that yeah, epic and very nearly beat Djokovic. Uh, Djokovic yeah. So maybe we've been expecting that from Zverev, and it's not quite happened yet. But it's equally, it's been that slightly funny part of the season where it's the end of the season and players are maybe fatigued. So it'll be interesting. Personally, I'm going to take Zverev on his word, and I'm going to as soon as Wimbledon comes around, I'm judging him. He, <laughs> He needs to do well at Wimbledon next year. Well, also, on the second Murray spell as well. I mean, Murray had literally won Wimbledon a month after Lendl came in, didn't he? Because yeah. it was at Queen's. And he won Queen's, well, then went right. and won Wimbledon. Yes. So, you know, we were expect- within three weeks. Well, we were expecting a lot. David, maybe two points um, yeah. came into my mind. Um, Jess Green, uh, yep. the, the fitness coach uh, of Murray. He's now in the, in the uh, Zverev uh, team. And he knows Lendl. Lendl knows him. They have like a there's a Florida connection, also with Zverev because they they used to practice or they still practice in in Tampa, Florida. Mm. So Lendl is is uh, totally in. He, he he knows the father of uh, Sasha quite well, mm. and it seems they get along quite well. So it's a lot of points, and I don't think um, they would let somebody in their team unless it's not. It's not some somebody who who fits, yes. and I think Lendl fits. Yeah. Very interesting. Final point. 
Do you think, Andre, that Zverev is going to get through here and reach the semi-finals for the first time? He's going to be facing Isner, isn't he? Uh, there's all the mathematics that yeah. we might have to do, and we obviously have to see how tonight's match goes. But what do you think? Yeah, I think he will. Last year, he he had the good chance to beat Pete Sock, he, and he somehow he he uh, choked a bit, I'd say. And this time he played uh, actually a terrible start uh, of the match against Cilic and he won the match. Nobody uh, understood why, but he won in, in straight sets. And uh, he played quite well the first set against Djokovic, so I'd say um, uh, he will go into the same his first time. Okay. Andre, what's the German word for choke? Just that interest. <laughs> There's none. There is one. Because <laughs> Germans never choke, right? <laughs> great. Okay. Just for teams that lose penalty shootouts. Okay, shoot uh, there's probably Versagen. Versagen. Okay, I, I Versagen. promise I'm not going to Versagen <laughs> <laughs> next time I play Solihull Simon. Uh, Andre, it's been absolutely lovely to have you with Thank us you. here on the Tennis Podcast. Matt and I will be back a little later after the evening session match. Chilich against Isner. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. We have a three-set match. It has happened, gentlemen. Matt, Grand Matt and Charlie Ecclesher are here and it is 11 o'clock at night. The reason it's 11 o'clock at night is because Chilich and Isner went the distance. Uh, it saw Isner win the first set on the tie-break. We then had the bizarre situation. Tell us about it, Matt. Uh, where, not surprisingly, 
Cilic held a lead in the second set and then lost the lead. But he eventually won the match. He did, yes. Um, it was a it was a kind of fascinating look into where Cilic is at at the moment because he was actually finding it harder to hold his own serve than he was break Cilic's serve. And, you know, he broke... He broke sorry, broke Isner's serve. He broke Isner's serve three times in a row, which I'd love to know the last time someone did that. Um... And, yeah, I don't want to criticise the match too much because we were crying out for this third set. Um, it was just... It, it was... I think a lot of people thought this one might go the distance and it kind of played out, I think, how a lot of people thought, except the fact that Cilic did manage to hold on to that lead eventually, which feels big for him. Um, it's only his second-ever win at the ATP Finals and effectively, really, only his first because the last time it was a dead rubber. He was yeah. already out and Nishikori was already through. So, yeah, a, bi- a big win for Cilic and it keeps him alive because if he'd lost, he, he would have gone out. I-, I quite enjoyed it. Did you enjoy yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, I tweeted perhaps a little unfairly <laughs> that, it was, <laughs> that it was the tennis god's way of saying careful what you wish for uh, as it kind of dragged into this third set. Um, but no, it, it was it was perhaps better than that. And I think um, there was the psychological intrigue with, uh, with Cilic, just seeing him actually finally get over the line. And I feel like even if he does lose to Djokovic which he probably will and exits the tournament at least he's got a win under his belt mm. just something to build on um, and you know obviously Davis Cup still to come mm. but you know just something um, for next year so it's not all bad memories at the end of the year we're all feeling for John Isner today he had some very bad news in the last 24 hours with news that his um, his strength conditioning coach I think in, from the past um man called Carl Morgan um, has has died and he, he left a, a really heart-wrenching Instagram post to John Isner uh, last night um, you know paying tribute to his friend and, and and it must be so difficult at the same time I mean maybe it's maybe it helps in a way to just get back to business and get out there but uh, but I, I even thought at the start he looked a little emotional and and it must be really difficult yeah and I thought uh, I thought the same thing and I it seemed as though if if he'd lost the first set easily, I think the match might well have just run away from him because it must be really hard to lift yourself and to care enough when, mm. when you've had something like that um, happen. So, yeah, no, credit to him for, for coming out and for really competing. And, yeah, I mean, shame for him he couldn't, couldn't get the job done. I'm sure he would have desperately wanted to and, and to dedicate it to him. But, um, yeah, you know, it, was a, it was a great effort from him in the circumstances. It means that uh, Matt... Djokovic has has qualified now, doesn't That's it? Right. Results yep. in yep. that one. Yep. So Novak's through, and all the others can can still go through. Um, but Novak is definitely through. So maybe that will help Chilich having you know Djokovic has a little less to play for. That's I doubt. Interesting, isn't it? It, it? it might not make a big difference. I mean, I'm sure Djokovic is going to be fully motivated to win that match but just subconsciously he might be leaving a little bit in the tank who knows um it's funny isn't it because in football we have these you know third matches of a group and you rest all your best players mm. or you know you, you give the kids a run out there isn't really that you, equivalent you can't you know, really do like, that yeah, can you? i'm not going to hit forehands today yeah. i'm going to give my server rest so uh, yeah. yeah it'll be interesting to see how how Djokovic approaches it M- maybe that slight dip in intensity would help Cilic but then it's Novak Djokovic we're talking about, isn't it? It's hard to believe that once he gets out there, he um, yeah, you know, he won't want to win every point. Mm. And he's playing so well, you you could almost imagine him winning at eighty five percent at the moment. 
Yeah, and he did admit today that he was struggling a bit with what affected him in Paris, a bit of a cold. I noticed it actually in the build-up to the tournament when he was practicing here over the weekend. He was practicing with tissues and he was coughing a little bit today. And he wasn't. He did say actually, impressed that he didn't think it was a great match, uh, sort of quality-wise. No, he's quite dismissive <laughs> yeah. of, his, of his own. Performance, yes, he rather shut it? down Annabelle Croft on the uh, <laughs> on the on-court interview. She said it was breathtaking. He said, <laughs> he said, "I don't think it was breathtaking from either of us." Um, it must be hard for Zverev to hear that as well, mustn't it? You know, having just been beaten four and one to then hear, "Yeah, and I wasn't even playing very well." Yeah, I mean, I must say that. I know we don't use the words foregone conclusion on this podcast anymore. Um, right, yeah. For all for all long t- long term tennis podcast listeners will know what I'm referring to. And any any people who've come on board recently can have a look back in the archives for S- that one. Sabina Lizicki and Serena <laughs> Williams around the 2014 mark. Yes, yeah. um, but Djokovic is is getting to that territory, isn't he? Based 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 purely on the eye test really what we've seen so far uh, he's just head and shoulders above everyone at the moment yeah he, he reminds me a bit you know at school when you'd, you'd finish your exams and for like a few days you'd have this period of just you feels know, like a long time ago <laughs> Charlie you just, I know exactly what you, you mean you didn't have a care in the world you know you'd, just, you'd done all your revision you could just go out and enjoy yourself he, he looks as though he's on court in the most part just so relaxed it's like everything's now just fine you know he's been through the hard time and now it's just good again and he's winning every match I know, and he does look so at ease and he, uh, somebody was mentioning to me earlier he's also filled out again yeah Remember how, yeah, yeah, how yeah. skinny he went well, and Vida apparently told him he had to do that mm. he had to start changing his diet because he had gone really extreme and he and he really had lost a lot of weight no muscle on him yeah. and apparently Vida said you know it's it's a mano a mano sport you know you've got mm. to toughen up Mm. and he has done order of play tomorrow uh, is uh, Dominic Team against Kei Nishikuri Thursday at 2 o'clock in the, uh, the singles that one follows Jamie Murray's also got a, a basically a dead rubber from his perspective because he and Bruno Suarez have already qualified they're up against Henri Continent and John Pierce, the alternate pair um, who've won it the last two years with it. yeah mm. that's right. who have they replaced can't remember who That's Mektic and Payer. Oh, yeah. Mm. Right, okay. Uh, so that's team and Nishikuri. Then in the evening session, it's Cabal and Farah against Klaas and Venus. And the 8 p.m. singles match is Federer against Anderson. What, what do we think? Who's going to win those two singles matches? Well, I think the, the, the team Nishikori is a really, really hard one to call, but I would go Nishikori. And then I think... He won one game in his previous yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a rich vein of form coming into it. Um, I think he just he can't be as bad as that again. Um, and so I'll go with him. And then I think Federer will be Anderson. I think Federer will be really pumped up for that one and he's taken a day off again, um, you know, to recharge and refresh and yeah, I think he'll just have enough. What do you think, Matt? 3-1 is the head-to-head Nishikori. Yeah, and they played recently, didn't they, in Vienna, and Nishikori took him apart. Um, That's a bit mean, isn't it, in in the bloke's home country? I know, yeah. (laughs) 6-3-6-1. Yeah, that is harsh. But he's not shown anything like that form this week. In fact, I think... I think team actually I thought was okay against Anderson, so... Second set, he was excellent. Yeah, yeah. I'll go team... Okay, and I agree with Charlie. I think Federer in the in the evening, as well as Anderson's played, and he really has played well. I think I think we could be a, 
at a stage where Anderson is pretty much through and Federer pretty, you know, I think he will up his game for that. And having seen him against team, I'm thinking Nishikori was maybe just a bit of a blip and he's over that now. But I I'm could, going to wrong. So Nishikori is my, my pick, Matt, so I completely disagree with you. Um, and, and in the evening? And in the evening session, I'm going to go um, for... Federer. Okay, yeah, I'll go for Federer. Uh, something to do with 20 Grand Slams. Um, and the head-to-head overall. Then on Friday, we've got Alexander Zverev against John Isner. Have you given us your Federer, Anderson, yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gone Federer. No, you've gone Federer. Emphatically Federer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, then Friday, we've got Marak and Pavic uh, against uh, Kubot and Mello, and Zverev against Isner. Uh, and in the evening session, it's Brian and Sock. Uh, against Herbert and Mahu. That should be good. Mm. And then we've yeah. got Djokovic against Chilich. So, um, what, do you, what do you think about Zverev against Isner? Who is coming through that group? Well, that was Djokovic? that was the Miami final, wasn't it, of this year? Mm. And that was a, that was a good match. Um, One Zverev probably should have won. Yeah, I think Zverev might might do it. Um, I, I would go along. I think Zverev will win that. Mm. I think he'll just just have enough. And therefore. Knockout, and we do you think Djokovic will still take on? Take yeah, action? I still yeah. think Djokovic will yeah. win that match. So, yeah, so it's very well go through. All right, fine. Uh, just to finish off, uh, we, we've got to get up early in the morning, haven't we, Charlie? Mm. Because uh, the ATP have announced uh, that they are going to have, I guess, some sort of launch event uh, and a press conference with Tennis Australia's Craig Tiley and some players from the ATP Player Council to announce the ATP. Team Cup is World that, Team is, Cup is that yeah. what it is yeah um, the one that's going to be starting at the the very end of 2019 so at about the beginning of 2020 tw- beginning of, but I think it's I think it straddles the two I think it's Possibly. due to start at about 27th of December right or something like that well we'll find out yeah, tomorrow yeah, so what will we find out tomorrow do we think I mean it's going to be it's going to be interesting isn't it to see whether they take questions on it and because you know there's all this chat about was it Djokovic said today that, that this is really a, an unsatisfactory situation mm. that you that you you could end up with two average these mm. were his this that was his word average team events the World Team Cup and the Davis Cup finals in the space of five weeks and it's really not ideal. I think what is going to happen is both uh, organisations are going to steam ahead with their competitions. Uh, that will happen for a couple of years. Uh, both will realise that it's unworkable and that you can't have those two. And then hopefully they'll get around the table and actually do a hybrid competition, which I think is what everyone wants, um, you know, with all the parties involved to make one super competition. But I think tomorrow we're going to hear that it's full steam ahead on both competitions. So we are going to have a situation where you have a Davis Cup in November and then a month or so later you have the World Team Cup and we have been in this position before funny enough Yevgeny Kafelnikov who became very vocal on uh, social <laughs> media this afternoon mostly because of me uh, getting, <laughs> getting into an argument with him um, he referenced the Grand Slam Cup he was criticising Zverev's moaning he was saying stop moaning about the length of the season you know um, it, we used to finish on the 10th of December when we were playing the, the, the Grand Slam Cup as it, as it used to be and that was an ITF invention really uh, and it used to run after what was this tournament and eventually they realised this is ridiculous and they combined the two so I agree I, I mean I just cannot see how any 
rational mind cannot ultimately want that as the conclusion. I think both parties do. I think all the parties do. It's just that they're not going to give it up without a good hardball negotiation. Yeah, I think... Um yeah, I think the ATP would feel there's been a lot of stubbornness um, from certain stakeholders in the sport, you know, an unwillingness to, to show the flexibility that I think is needed. Parties that they are going to have to compromise. It's the only way there's going to be an effective tournament. Um, but yeah, we'll hear more tomorrow. It'll be very interesting. Mm, it's going to be, isn't it? Yeah, and Novak Djokovic also used the word unsustainable today, didn't he? So clearly he's he does agree with that. But he has said in the past, hasn't he, that he would... If there were two, he would play the ATP one, yeah. which I don't think a lot of people... Well, maybe they did expect him to say because of his position on the so ATP Council and the ATP points. Kevin Anderson and said the same thing as well. Right, so... God, yeah. What a mess. It is a mess. Anyway, let's hope it all gets worked out. I said that last night. And uh, we're going to be back tomorrow. We'll tell you what happened at this uh, this launch event. Also, also, folks, I've only gone and got a Sue Barker to come on. She says she's coming on. Whether she actually agrees when she sees it in the flesh and that we're actually going to ask these sort of questions that we do, uh, we'll find out. But she says she'll come on. She's lovely, Sue. Anyway, as is Grad Matt, as is Charlie Eccleshire, thank you for your company, gentlemen. We've been The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph with Triple S, tennisballs.com. And who am I forgetting? Melanie yes. Bowes. Melanie Bowes. Sorry, Melanie. <laughs> uh, we've also got our uh, sponsors, La Manga Club, our uh, mascot, Charlie the Ferret, and we'll be back tomorrow. See you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.